0: To be alive. Amen. It's a greater day to be a member of the body of Christ. Man, God is doing some awesome stuff. God is doing some awesome stuff. I said, God is doing some awesome stuff. Come on. What He's doing, He's not going to do without you. That was good. What He's doing, He's not going to do without you. He's not going to do it without you. Come on. So he's got some great things in store. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. He's ready. He's loaded for bear, as they say. He's ready to start stomping on some heads. He's ready to see some Christians with the devils under their feet. Come on. He said, we we can get to that place, but we have to. We have to begin to set our mind On the things that are good And not the things that are evil Paul told the Roman church It's time It's time to quit looking at all that the devil's doing And look what God is doing And when we focus on what God is doing Rather than everything the world is doing He said then the God of our Lord Jesus Christ Will crush Satan under your feet Shortly Come on time to quit looking around and going oh my gosh look at what the world's doing and look out beyond that and go look what god's doing look what god's doing look what god's doing glory to god we can look back and see what god has done But the only reason we look back and see what God has done, because we know what he's done, he's doing right now, and he'll continue to do. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, say this with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you believe that, you can be seated. If not, remain standing, and we're going to pray for you. All right, everybody believes that. Glory to God. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Welcome. I'm glad that you all came out. Um, we're so blessed. You are uh, amongst the greatest in the entire world. Amen? And so we welcome you. Everybody who's joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us. You are amongst the greatest of the world. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. Uh, we're glad that you're with us and uh, what God is doing right there in Meeker, Colorado. And uh, so, man, i tell you what, uh, I'm excited Uh, i'm thankful and pastor tasha taught an awesome message on nehemiah last week she zoned it in she set up her scope she zeroed it in boom and today i have a shotgun or a howitzer i'm not sure but uh (laughs) praise the lord we're gonna hit somebody somewhere amen (laughs) today we're gonna hit somebody somewhere in some way but uh Uh, I'm so appreciative uh, of all of our staff and what they do. And um, we were able to uh, minister in Craig and the church, New Creation Church in Craig is doing awesome. And um, man, it was just great to be with them. Pastor Jason and Tracy are doing a tremendous job in Craig. And um, uh, it's just uh, been great to to be with them. And so we can go do what God's called us to do in in helping them and and, and being able to minister to them because of... uh, all of you, our staff, people here, make it uh, work so awesome, and so God continued to tell us in years past that we would be able to go, and it would be as if we were never gone, and it's even got better that than that. We can go, and people say, why don't you stay away and let her teach more? And so, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, we're working on that more and more, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we started a series uh, a couple of weeks ago that we call Focus, and if you don't, No, or if you don't have to praise god but it's really a time to focus or we could say it like this it's a time to refocus 2020 was a year where so many things uh, were around us and moving and we heard in the beginning of that that 2020 would be a year of perfect vision so many times people were saying it'll be a year of perfect vision and if we weren't really focusing in that time we thought this is not a year of perfect vision they really missed it this is not a year of perfect vision as I shared a couple weeks ago, many of you in this room, I, I talked to you out on the porch or I- you came into my office where we talked and-, and many of you just said, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, I can't wait to get done with 2020. 2020 was such a-, a-, a negative year, a bad year, but really 2020 was an awesome year for me that we begin to focus on our family We began to uh, really prioritize things in a different manner. We realized that we were moving 90 to nothing, and uh, we needed to slow down. And so really, if you look back at it, with all that was going on to try to distract us, many people actually had a 2020 year. They actually began to see things more clearly. And so, but for many, it was very distracting. And all the moving around and all of the situations and all of, with the elections and COVID and everything, many people got distracted and I saw it like this, it's really if you take a camera, and our people, uh, our, our live stream people are always uh, looking at these things, and when do we get a new camera, and the auto focus on the cameras, and so if you're watching by live stream and you watch quite a bit, you probably know this, that you know if, if all of a sudden something moves back here, or there's something different, or a twinkling light at Christmas back here, that the focus starts doing this. And they say, you know, just, you know, they text in, just focus on, on whoever's speaking. It's blurry. And they're trying, but the autofocus catches movement. It catches different light. And if we're not f- careful where we're at, 2020 and moving into 2021, there's so much movement going on that if we're on autofocus, we are continually getting distracted and our focus is being pulled away from what it needs to be focused on. And so I encourage you that we're going to have to switch off of autofocus and go on to manual focus. That we are going to have to be conscious of what we are focusing on. And so today, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, begin to speak to you about the vision of New Creation Church, what we see taking place and what God has uh, spoken to us. We'll drift into that a little bit today, but I want to Uh, speak to us about some things that are on my heart concerning uh, really seeing that focus and understanding how focus has really been throughout the scripture, uh, what God is doing, what Jesus did in his focusing on us, and how we can really begin to bring our life into focus and the necessity of bringing our life into that focus. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, a couple of weeks ago, we started this scripture, and, and I want to um, read farther into it and, um, and then discuss a few things before we move on. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, many are familiar with this. We're going to read out of the Passion Bible. It says this, for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination how many of you would like to start running with some passion and determination we're not just trying to get done it's not time to wear out it's not time to run down but it's really a time to fuel our passion it's really time to set a determination that we are in life's race and there is a prize at the end of it and the only way that you win the prize Is by finishing it's not a time to get weary in well-doing it's not a time to faint because if we faint and we get weary and we sit by the sidelines the Bible says we will not reap we will not receive the prize and so many are running and many are falling and many are growing weary the Bible even tells us that that the young men even the young men we used to look and say look at the energy of the young men but there's coming a day when even the young men will utterly fall and get tired And the distinction between that is those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He said, don't you know that God's not tired? God didn't fall asleep on the job. No matter what you think about what you saw happening in the world, God did not fall asleep. God did not get tired. God is not growing weary God is the everlasting God. He's the all-powerful God. And he said people are going to run and grow weary. They're going to fall by the wayside. They're going to sit down and take a rest. He said, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew. Everybody say renew. They will renew their strength. I'm going to put it just in this fashion. Those who will focus on him Will begin to renew their strength. You'll begin to see something different. The things that you see that continually seem to cycle and wear you out and make you wonder if it's even worth running. Is it even worth going the extra mile? What is it worth doing? Those focuses will start to wear you out. But when we begin to focus on Him, when we begin to wait and focus our attention on Him, there's just a moment, even in the midst of life, even in the midst of seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that keeps moving. It doesn't stop. We haven't yet had a Joshua moment where we could say, "Say stop. Son, stand still. Give us just a little time. No, it's 24 hours, seven days a week. But many times we're moving and we're glancing as if that screen that I'm looking at, this one that you're looking at, is Jesus. And we're moving 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we're glancing. But he said, just wait a minute. Stop and behold. There's some time that we're going to have to stop and focus on him. Stop and behold and focus on what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. Come on, if you want to encourage yourself in the Lord, just stop for a moment and don't let your religious mind and what you know in your mental realm to just kick in and go, yeah, I know God loves me. Yeah, I know he loves me. He forgave me. It's unconditional love. Don't do that. You're just passing by. Stop for a moment and behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. Stop for a moment and understand that because of Adam's sin, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You didn't know God. You didn't care if you knew God. You didn't even want to know God. But God knew you. And God loved you so much that even though you were a part of being an enemy of God and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he loved you. And in order to satisfy that love, he sent everything he had, Jesus, not just to come and rescue you, but to be your substitute, to be beaten, to be bruised, to be mocked, to be spit upon to be nailed to the cross, to be pierced in his side, to lay over the whipping post and take stripes upon his back, to be reduced to where he wasn't even recognizable. He was so beaten. Why? Well, because the Bible says he, no, because he loved you. Stop for a moment and meditate on how great of love that was that he gave you and then God raised him from the dead saying your sin has been paid for and now I've reconciled you, drawn near to myself and we don't just have a Christian relationship but I've given you a spirit of adoption and called you sons and daughters and because you're sons and daughters, you're mine and you're heirs of mine and you're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ just stop and think about it for a moment stop and focus on it quit worrying about who's in presidency and who's in office, who's in office in your life. It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop and think about it. Focus on that for a moment, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe loved you so much that he broke the power of sin that was dominating your life And driving you away from him. And he broke that bond. And he grabbed a hold of you. And he drew you into himself and into his very heart. He said, you're no longer a foreigner and a stranger. You're no longer a sinner just saved by grace. But you're my sons and you're my daughters. And he said, if I would do that for you, how would I not right now freely give you all things that you need to live life? He said, you have to stop for a moment and behold the manner of love. You have to stop for a moment and focus on how much I love you and not go, God, if you you love me, and then focus on what's wrong with your life. If you love me, then how come this is happening? And if you love us, then why did you let that happen? Because your focus is in the wrong place. These things are happening and you love me. So no matter what's happening, I can navigate through what's happening because you love me. It's where your focus is at. And we think, oh, I focused on him. But we focus more on why is this happening? What I'm really focused on is why is this happening in my life rather than focusing on him. Come on. So important what we focus on. What we give ourselves to daily. What we allow to dominate our thoughts. What we allow to dominate our, our conversation And how that thought and that conversation begins to bring a focus to where we begin to follow that in our actions. He said, we have to stop focusing on the wounds and the things that have hurt us. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into face perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus said, I have to set my focus. If I focus on the people spitting at me, if I focus on the beating that I'm taking, if I focus on the cross, what do you think he was doing when he knelt down in the garden? His focus began to be on, oh my gosh, the suffering. And He said, God, if there's any way that this could pass and he refocused and he said, but not my will, but your will be done. In that moment, he was being drawn away from his focus and he stopped for a moment and he focused on the eternal purpose that was given to him. And it brought him joy and he focused on you and I today being free from sin and he went through everything he went through because his focus wasn't on the pain and the suffering. He was able to say, I lowly esteem the pain and the suffering because I've focused on the joy. And the joy that I've focused on is much greater than the suffering of the cross. Come on, think about it for a moment. How Jesus so focused on humanity that what he suffered, he said it wasn't really even to be esteemed compared to the joy of your life being changed and you being set free from sin? What is it that we have to complain about? What is it that we have to murmur about? Why do we look at each other and wonder why you're acting the way you're acting and why it's not so great? Why are we focused on those things that begin to bring us down instead of focusing on Jesus who focused on us why are we focusing on what we're suffering instead of focusing on what he suffered for us he goes on to say that Hebrews chapter 12 we're gonna look at this just a little bit as we go through this are y'all with me are y'all okay did I get a little bit too excited there praise the Lord I'm going to read this, uh, continue to read this out of the New King James. Praise the Lord. He goes on in verse 3, he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own soul. You've not yet resisted to, the, to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or corrects and scourges every son whom he receives. He goes on to say some things. He said, listen, the moment you get your focus off of Jesus, he said, we're running our race. And he says, Set aside, quit focusing on the things that easily beset you and focus on the one who is the author and the finisher of your faith. The things that easily beset us is always looking at the weights in our life the things that pile up in our lives, the sin that we've committed, he said, it always knocks you off track. The moment you look and say, I want to go for Jesus, what knocks you off track? Your focus. You begin to look. He says, you got to lay aside the things that so easily distract you from focusing on Jesus and the race that he has for you. And he says, you get caught up in focusing on what you are suffering for him. And he said, the moment you start getting discouraged about how much you are suffering and giving to him, take a moment and consider him and what he suffered for you rather than always thinking about what you're suffering for him. And he said, the moment that you begin to do that with true focus and you realize what he suffered for you, what you're suffering for him is nothing to be compared All right, we need to shift gears. You all aren't getting too uplifted. If you'll consider it, I believe that it'll raise us up like never before. Because the thing that weighs us down is we continue to look at the things like, oh man, now what am I going to have to give? Now what am I going to have to do? And he says, stop being discouraged by that and look at what Jesus gave up for you. And he goes on to say, listen, there's correction here because you've got your focus off and I want to correct your focus. Your focus is on what you're suffering, what you're discouraged about, if you'll return your focus to Jesus, if you'll allow him to correct your focus, there is something in finishing your race that is amazing. So he says, go ahead and receive the correction of your focus. Go ahead and receive that because it's going to set you on the right path. And why would God begin to correct your focus? Because he loves you. He says, if we reject this correction... He says, then we just basically say, I'm not a legitimate son. Y'all are quiet. Pastor Mark didn't say this. The Bible said this. I'm just trying to help us get the whole package here because we like to run our race. We like to, But he, he, he lined up to us a whole group of people who suffered some things. By faith, they went through some things. And they focused and they said, we will testify that if you will run your race and focus on Jesus and not your discouragement, if you'll allow God to correct you, we are here to testify with all truth that God is faithful. That God is faithful. And so when we focus on Jesus... And what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives, instead of what's going on around us, we begin to focus on who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And we begin to recognize that God is building a kingdom. God is building something. And Jesus is building his church. He never stopped building his church. He's still building his church. And though there's a battle, as Tasha said, uh, where Nehemiah shows us, there's a battle going on. God is building something right now. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. We can focus on the church in a whole lot of different ways. But when we focus on the church that Jesus is building, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church that is focused on the revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's not a religious figure. figure. He's not an idol. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, if we correct our focus and we begin to focus on that and that which was done for us by him, that everything begins to change. The things around us begin to be strangely dim. We stop looking at what we're not going to be able to do, what we're not going to be able to have, what it looks like and how it's going to turn out. And we begin to see that what he's done has an eternal purpose and everything is going to be okay. We, read, we even get the, read the end of the book. We win. We win. So there's no reason for us to continue in our life trying not to lose. Striving not to lose. We already win. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor, what happened to my life. You don't understand what, what's happened in my family. You don't understand what's happened. And that's easy. That's always easy to focus on what people don't understand. But people understand a lot more than what you know. There's a lot of people that are around you that you say they don't understand, but you don't understand that they've gone through the fire. They just don't smell like smoke. Their focus is on him. Their focus was on coming through, and now what's ahead? Not what happened that got them in and how they were, were close to burning up, and now can you smell the smoke? And then you say, Listen, look at all this smoke. You must not understand because you don't smell like smoke. But there's people who have depended and Jesus has walked through them through that trouble and you're like, you don't understand what it's like. You don't understand what it's like to lose a loved one. You don't understand what it's like to miscarry a baby. You don't understand what it's like to have your children be in rebellion and mess up. You don't understand. You don't understand. But there's plenty of people around here that understand. But they also know how to get through it with God's help and focusing on him rather than what has happened. You must not understand how I feel about the turnout of the elections. You must not understand how I feel about COVID. Listen, people understand. But the focus being upon Jesus is what's going to take us through to the end. It's easy to say you can't understand. And in some ways, we can't understand. It hasn't been exactly what you experienced. I'm not diminishing that. But there's some wise counsel out there. If you don't reject it by saying you can't possibly understand. When somebody gives you the counsel to focus on Jesus and say, Well, I'd like to, but you don't understand, no, that's wise counsel. He's the healer, he's the one that puts every broken part back together again. The people you're looking to, they can't pick up the pieces and put it back together again like he can. Praise the Lord. Come on. If my car breaks down, I cannot come to Sean and say, can you fix my car? But I can come and say, I know your car broke down. Who fixed your car? And she can give me the name and the phone number of the mechanic that fixed her car. Come on, we want people to fix our life when they can't, it's easy to say, see, you couldn't fix my life. But there's people we go to and say, you might not be able to fix my life, but I'm looking at yours. Who fixed your life? And we can give them the name and number, as it were, of him who fixed our life. Who put it back together again. Come on. Are you all with me? All right. So he goes on to tell us a couple of things here that we can focus on. Wow, I'm just going to totally mess this up and run out of time. (laughs) Okay. All right, I want to jump into this. You can read that part here. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. He's still talking about running your race. He said, listen, you're never going to get to the finish line if your hands are hanging down and your knees are weak. Can't run the race. You don't know about my knees. Thank God for supernatural knee replacement. Come on. God's working. Get your hands up. Come on. Get ready to walk. Start stretching out. I don't feel like it. Get those hands up. Come on, the way you strengthen the hands that are hanging down is not by saying You don't understand why they're hanging down. Get them up. We start walking. We start getting those joints lubricated again, getting ready to run. Strengthen the hands that hang down the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Well, listen, he wants us to straighten our focus, get the path straight. When he's talking about the body, he's saying, get the body coming together. There's parts that have fallen off. They're dislocated. They got their focus. There's pieces of the body that are over here and over there. Let's bring it together. Let's get it all connected again. Let's get those, those, those joints supplying. Let's get those things connected again. He says, now listen, he says, now focus on a couple of things here. He says, pursue peace with all people. Highlight that, underline that, and you might highlight all. Come on, it's a big quandary right now. How in the world am I going to have peace with those people to understand that God loves them? You don't get it. I can tell by the look on your face. You don't get how God can, but that's a good thing why he's God and we're not. Come on, he knows how to handle everything, be at peace with all people. Now listen and holiness and holiness come on church god has a plan he has a race for us to finish and if we're at war with people we don't have any peace in our heart towards other people and we are not pursuing sanctification and holiness he said we're not going to see god say oh am i not going to arrive at heaven well i'm not going to go that far that's for him to discern But in the midst of the confusion of being angry at people and having sin in your life, you can't see what God's doing. You'll always be weighed down by the sin that besets you. You'll always be weighed down by the things that are distracting you from your race, the, 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 the conflicts that you have, the offenses that you have with people, the strife that you have with people, the impurities of your life. Every time you go for Jesus, it besets you because now all of a sudden you're not walking in holiness and you've got problems with people. He said, pursue peace and holiness so that you can see what God is doing. Come on, there's been some inaccuracies in seeing because people are not living at peace with people and they're not living in holiness. And they're saying, I'm seeing God, God's showing me, but he says, listen, if we're not in this place, we're not going to be able to see clearly what God is doing and what God is saying. He said, look carefully or focus, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Come on, look carefully. It's not a good time to fall short of the grace of God. It's not a time to be angry with people and allowing sin to come into our life and then just going, yeah, whatever. No, he says, come on, focus on these things. Focus lest you fall short of the grace of God. He said the thing that's going to take you in and up and over and into is the grace of God, the favor of God upon your life. When you begin to murmur and complain about how bad life is, then don't fall short of the grace of God because it doesn't matter how people are. You have the favor of God resting upon you. When you say, I'm not able, it just doesn't seem like I'm able. You have the power of God working in you. When you say, I just don't know what to do, you have the influence of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and teaching and strengthening you. He said, look carefully lest you fall short of the grace of God. He goes on to tell us if we're falling short of the grace of God, if we're not making peace, if we're not walking in holiness, if we're not focusing on the grace of God, something will begin to happen. He says, "Lest, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Come on, God gives us enough to focus on. Focus on peace, focus on holiness, focus on the grace of God. If you were focused on all that, you wouldn't have time to let bitterness and resentment and anger get you all stirred up. he said, if you don't focus on the right things, you'll focus on the wrong things. And when you focus on the wrong things, you begin to bring other people into that focus, and it begins to defile many. Come on. He says, if you don't focus on these, you focus on these, lest roots of bitterness be found. In other words, you can focus on God, or you can focus on people who have problems. And the church can't afford to do that. Because everybody has a problem with somebody. If you focus on what God's doing, people have a problem with someone else, and you don't allow their root of bitterness to defile you. But if you're not focusing on God, how tasty is that to participate in their offense? Okay, that didn't go over too big. All right, let's keep going. I'm just trying to help us a little bit. I believe our focus has been off there's no condemnation. It's moving around. The enemy knows. The enemy's trying to draw your focus to things. He's trying to draw your focus away from God. To put your focus on you, how you feel today, what's going on with you today. And he keeps talking to us and warning us about that. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought diligently for it. So there's a number of things you can draw from this, but he just says, listen, when all of a sudden bitterness and stuff begins to arise, he said, all of a sudden, there's going to be this type of, uh, uh, really, there'll be sexual immorality come into your midst but even in that, he's not talking about, you know, we can't really find where, where Esau was that sexually immoral. But what he did was he sold himself. That word fornicator actually even goes to prostituting or selling yourself out. And we do know that Esau sold himself out. He became downtrodden. He, he, he counted something that was eternal as something to be despised. And so if you read about Esau, Esau Had a birthright. He was the firstborn. He had the birthright of the blessing. And he went out hunting one day. And he came home after hunting and he was hungry. And Jacob had devised a plan when he came home to say, Man, I've cooked this tasty stew. Man, he had the house filled with the smell of stew. I mean, I believe he got it. Whatever, whatever garlic or whatever he had to throw in that just filled the house. And so Esau comes home from the hunt. He's tired. He's hungry. And boy, I believe the windows were open. The garage door was open. And he came in, and immediately he was hungry. Oh, man, Jacob has cooked that red stew. And he came in. He's like, man, brother, can I have some of that stew? I am so hungry. Can I have some of that stew? And Jacob said, Well, I don't know. Let's talk about this for a minute. I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. Now listen how your soul works. I'm sure it was an over-exaggeration. When you read it, Esau said this. He came in saying, I'm hungry. Now he's weighing, getting this stew, and he goes, I am starving to death. I'm so hungry right now in this moment that I could die. Who cares about my birthright? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Paul said, for we look at the things that are not seen instead of the things that are seen. Why? Why? In the name of Jesus, command those things to heal up. I'll well, just praise God with Jerry. Hallelujah! Things that are not seen are eternal. And so, what did what did Esau do? Esau said, "In the moment." I have now exaggerated my feelings that I could die here. I don't even care about my birth right now. I don't care about my inheritance in God. I don't care about my lifelong inheritance. I don't care about being a son or a daughter. I don't care about the body. Right now, I need what my body needs, what my flesh needs. I need it right now. He said, you got to be careful. If you're not focused on the right thing, bitterness starts to stir up, starts to defile many. Then you become more concerned about what you get right now rather than what God has planned for you as a son and a daughter. He said that place of repentance, we read this a couple of times in, in Hebrews, there was no place of repentance found. If you don't read that very well, you think, well, now wait a minute, that doesn't seem fair. I thought if we came to God and repented that uh, uh, he would forgive us no matter what, no matter when, God's mercies endure forever and ever, and they do. He's not talking about that God wouldn't forgive him. He's saying that Esau could not find a place of repentance. And if you read on in Genesis, what happened is is Jacob went on, he got the birthright, then he deceived his father. He deceived his father, put on hair on his arms, and his dad, his father then declared the blessing of the birthright on him. And Esau came in and his dad said, no, your brother was already here. He's already got the birthright. And, And Esau said, well, can you just bless me? Can you bless me? And he goes, oh, now I see. Jacob has deceived me twice. Now stay with me. Did Jacob actually deceive Esau twice? He deceived his father When he got the blessing, he didn't deceive Esau. And when he offered him soup or stew for his birthright, he didn't deceive him. It was an outright deal. So even though Esau was searching and sorry he lost his birthright, he would never repent that he despised his birthright. He never once says, I'm sorry I made a mistake and sold out my birthright. He continued to blame somebody else for his situation and what he had done. He even got to the point that he sought after his brother for a time to kill him. Our focus, when our focus is always and it comes to bitterness and it comes to, to anger and it comes to everybody else making every mistake and people deceiving us and people tricking us, if at some point we don't stop and focus on Jesus and allow Jesus to correct our thinking so that we can say, I'm sorry. I did not count valuable what you have done for me. I'm sorry. You can't find a place of repentance in blaming everyone else. Come on, you can't find a place of repentance in blaming everyone else. Things have happened to you. I know that hurtful things have happened to many people. Jesus paid the price for all of that to work in us something different. Why? Because he wants us to be free. He wants us to inherit the blessing. He wants us to know what he's done for us and who we've now become. That we're in him and he's in us. And with him, there's nothing we can't do. And he really wants to bring us into the focus that because he did it for me and he did it for you, we begin to be joined in this amazing place called the church. And what happened with Esau was he lost sight of really the purpose that he had as the firstborn and the birthright that he had that he would ultimately have authority over the family and the flocks and the herds. And he would lead the family after his father died. He would lead the family in the eternal purpose and legacy of the family. And he lost sight of all that for himself for a moment. But God has An eternal purpose. In Romans 8, Paul tells us that, listen, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's easy for us to sell out for a bowl of stew or for a moment of pleasure or for something that we want. We've made it to be such a big deal that if we don't get relief, if we don't have this right now, we could just die. So who cares about what God has for eternity? I need relief right now. And he says, no, focus on the eternal purpose, not the now. Because the now is temporary. The eternal purpose goes on forever and ever. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, talking about the church and talking about how God put the church together, he said it's an eternal Purpose that he wrought in Christ Jesus. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 19. As we begin to focus on moving forward this year and what God has for us, and we'll begin to talk about the vision of the church, but I want you to understand that as we pull it together, we want to look at God's eternal purpose and how the vision of the church and how we fit into that eternal purpose, not just a temporary fix or a temporary purpose. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. I'm going to read it from the... Praise the Lord. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Translation. I believe it brings it out more clearly. It says, a person may have many ideas concerning God's plan for his life, but only the designs of his purpose will succeed in the end. See, as we're planning, as we're getting vision for the year, or vision for our life, sometimes we like to get many ideas about it. But he says, if we'll come to God and allow him to set the design of his purpose It will draw our focus into clarity. That we'll begin to know what God has really planned for our life and the purpose. And that sets into our life that when we're presented with opportunities of the moment, we're not like Esau that says, you know what? I'll sell out the eternal purpose for the temporary relief, but I will look at what's going on today and bring it into focus with the eternal purpose that God has. there's so much that has to do with this eternal purpose, and I want to just end with this focus and being able to focus on what Jesus focuses on. Now, I want you to think it's self-serving because I'm the pastor, because more so, I'm a member of the body of Christ, and we begin to see the importance of the day that we live in, and as we've been praying about certain things, and just want to remind you we're praying tomorrow. We pray on Saturday night. We pray at at Take 10 during the week. There's prayer that's going on, and it seems like the prayer is building as we allow the Spirit of God to lead us, that God wants to do something, and we've been praying about the environment, the, 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 the sickness. We've been praying about the political things that have been going on, and he always leads us back to the church. What he wants to do in the church and the power of the church and what's going on in the church and we want to see what Jesus sees and we want to understand then we want to understand what Jesus is focused on, and what Jesus is focused on as much as anything in the world right now is He's focused on His church. He's focused on his church. And while the church and its members can be becoming dislocated and disjointed, Jesus is focused on bringing His church together like never before. And in Matthew the 16th chapter. So many of you know this. He says, also, say to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know this story. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, on this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And 114 times in the New Testament, the church is referred to, and over 90 of that, it's actually referring to a local church body. A group of his people called out together for legislative power. Listen to what the Passion Translation says. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth which is released in heaven. Now we can get into our thinking, thinking, well, you know, I belong to the church. I've been a church member, and it just doesn't seem like we're legislating. That's why we need to begin to refocus again. Begin to describe and understand what his bringing together of the church is about. It's so important right now while we're looking out at the world and we're focusing on who's going to legislate what for us, and we understand that he has given us power to begin to legislate our life, to begin to legislate the church, and begin to go out and legislate according to the kingdom of God, because he's given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given us authority of the kingdom that we live in to represent the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. Not to be dominated by the course of this world, but to dominate and to move forward as the church at this time. To be the light of the world. And we can't be the light when we're disjointed, when we're finding bitterness, when we're finding offense, when we're selling out for one moment of pleasure and abandoning our birthright. We're, we're focused all over the map. It's time to focus on him. And you can't focus on him without focusing on his body. I'm just talking about it. I believe that the Spirit of God's going to work in every heart what He's doing. It's time to lay aside some wounds and some hurts to come together as the body, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He might raise us up and put us in the place in the position that He has for us. Ephesians chapter one. Verse 22 is talking about Jesus being raised from the dead and starting in verse 22 it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He tells us that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. How's that gonna happen? He's gonna fill everything with the fullness of who he is through his Church, through his church. Message says it like this. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. I'll read that again. It was like you didn't even hear what I said. All right, forgive me my personality, God. Help me. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Come on. I'll tell you what, the enemy and the spiritual forces of darkness are afraid of the church getting this. The church saying, listen, we aren't peripheral to you anymore. You can't shove us aside. You are peripheral to us. We are moving ahead, setting our focus on him. All right, why don't you stand up? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 says this. Paul has been given this mystery to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to this intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. By the church. By the church. You say, Well, I'm the church. No, we're the church. You individually cannot be the church. By definition, we gathered together make the church. All right, I'm not making too many. Come on. As long as principalities are looking down at the church and going, You 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 are in as much strife, you are as in much division, you are as in much immorality, you are as much stuff, I'm not worried about you. But the moment we begin to come together as the church and say, We're gonna start determining from heaven what happens right here. First in my life, and how I connect and relate to you. Then together we begin to relate to our community. Then our community begins to relate to the state. Then the state begins to affect the nation. It may look like it's going to take time, but it'll take a lot longer if we don't understand God's plan for his body, the church. The message says it like this, through Christians like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Just ordinary Christians like us gathered together in churches. There's an extraordinary plan being wrought that the angels are talking about. When we focus on him, You can't focus on him without seeing his body. You can't focus on his body without seeing you in it. As we focus on that, we begin to see the greatness of what God has planned for his body and what he has planned for you in it and what he has planned and how he desires to affect the world today in 2021 through his church. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and glorify you. I ask you, God, that we haven't spent this time, that I didn't spend this time, as Zane said, just preaching at people, but God, I endeavor with all my heart to communicate that which you put in my heart, that you might be able to take it and influence our lives with the revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in him. And through that revelation, we allow him to build such an extraordinary, powerful church that we know that the gates of hell, no matter what the enemy does, cannot prevail against this rising church that is meant to be the light of the world. Equip us, empower us, give us vision and focus to see what you are doing right now in our midst. I ask you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Why not you say this with me as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. Jesus. far seeds. Any damage done to me. By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.